0: Welcome to the Musical Communication Podcast. I'm your host, Marianne Ploger, And during these podcasts, I'm looking forward to being able to explore all aspects of what it is to be musical, whether that is how we can be more musical as musicians, or how we can understand why we love music and why we think it's musical or why it isn't. So we'll be exploring everything from how to perform music, how to listen to music, as well as aspects of music perception, and cognition.
1: Hi friends. Welcome to another episode of the Ploger Method podcast. My name is Karen and I am your producer. I am sitting here with your host, Marianne Ploger. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Karen. <laughs> so good to be here.
1: I am so excited for today's conversation. Um, we are going to discuss one of my most favorite things that you talk about that has just blown my mind, uh, the three causes of error. So for those listening, can you just catch us up to what that is and, and what that means?
0: certainly yes one of the things that i find when i'm working with students is that ultimately there's always one of these three causes of errors that's causing them problems every time so uh, if you're having troubles with a trill or you're having troubles with a run or something else it will be related to one of these three causes of errors i would find and if we remove one of those causes systematically by recognizing them, we can get rid of the problem very, very quickly. But without getting rid of the problem, it's dicey. So if you've ever worked really hard on something and then it just doesn't get better, chances are pretty good you're bumping into one of these or maybe more uh, than just one of these causes of error.
1: And why aren't we being taught this in school? <laughs> <laughs> why, why is this like new information?
0: It's an excellent question. I think that mostly it's because teachers don't often have the opportunity to study behavior to the extent that I have been honored to be able to do that. So one of the things that I would do is develop these very structured, almost scientifically created exercises where, for example, an individual has to do something very fast beyond their consciousness almost. at the rate of one answer per second. So they are having to hear a sound and respond or see a note and respond very quickly. And I would ask them to do things in a very specific way, and I would create these what I call sound experiments and could notice that there would be these very reliable errors that would occur and that I could therefore be able to analyze what it is that's happening and then solve the problem. So where I'm very fortunate is that I kind of had a scientific lab, which was my basically my studio, which is Mm. where I taught. And each individual, by the way, I worked only one-on-one for most of my career, and I had a chance to really study behavior and what was happening. And what I would find is that almost never were the real causes of error technical They actually were sort of psychological. Basically, it's how the mind is operating when it's trying to play music. And that very often, it's got a lot of other stuff going on besides processing music. So by eliminating these processes that are getting in the way and that are actually a waste of human energy, we can solve problems very quickly and then get to the core of what music means. Yeah. And what are these three causes? I call them reaction, anticipation, and looking back. So in reaction, it's very different than anticipation or looking back. And what I'd like to do is to just very briefly describe what each one of them is. That is, how do you recognize what is a reaction? What is anticipation? What is looking back? And then what I'd like to do is to describe with each one what I think the causes of it. In other words, what is happening in the brain that might cause it? Yeah. And then finally, what do we do to be able to avoid the problem? So what's the antidote?
1: Yes. So
0: so in the first one, reaction is one of the most common of all. And a reaction, basically, you will know it because you'll find that you almost can't go on. So if you've Mm -hmm. ever had a memory slip, Or you felt like, oh my gosh, the notes on the page are suddenly feeling like they're up your nose (laughs) instead of where (laughs) they're supposed to be. Uh, Or you find that you just really are almost paralyzed. You can't go forward. Uh, That's called reaction. And it can happen in a micro way that you can suddenly have a slight stall. Um, But essentially, all of them have in in common, I think, the fact that it feels like you have a Zoom. And this is something that Bandler, uh, Richard Bandler, who developed neurolinguistic programming, would describe as a phobic response. So it's as if when you're afraid of a spider, you imagine that spider is huge and, yes. and in your face, you know, gigantic. <laughs> it's not this little creature that's over there that's barely an inch long. So ultimately what happens is that the brain perceives... <gasps> that this thing the notes are really very very close and you go into a fight and flight response i'm quite sure so i think that the cause of reaction is that we're surprised Mm -hmm. in a nutshell and uh, it can be something as inane as the fact that you've been playing something that is scalar and all of a sudden it goes into an arpeggiation (laughs) (laughs) or it changes direction or it changes values or for goodness sake It can happen because there's a page turn. Mm. It can happen because suddenly the trombones are coming in and you're surprised. Yeah. (laughs) So ultimately, I think it is a beautiful and natural response of a sensitive brain that is perceiving a sudden change in status quo. So a sudden change in status quo is a surprise. It's surprised. And basically, we go to the limbic, I believe, the limbic part of our brain and go into one of those fight, flight or freeze moments, which is really tough so the antidote is what I call speaking of reaction as a horn honking out there Um, when the antidote that we can apply to it is what I call eagle vision and that is this ability of the mind instead of being really close to the thing having that that spider on your face and gigantic instead no it's this little thing that's over there and it might even be kind of funny or cute so it's ultimately not something you need to fear. But this is
1: done through understanding. And I really love too, how we're not just talking about music, the individual and skill set, but we're incorporating the, the totality of the brain, the nervous system, so many other areas that we don't really talk about we mm-hmm. often just blame our skill set or our lack of practice and not so much like what else is actually going on in there right absolutely so we're taking the blame away from the individual and I think like I don't know as conservatory trained people like that's kind of nice that like you're it's you're not the problem always you <laughs> that's know right that's right and in
0: fact I would say that the most sensitive individuals often have the worst problem with reaction because Mm. they notice very subtle changes, and it throws them off completely. I was recently talking with a very fine music teacher, and this person was describing a student of hers who can learn a piece, can clearly perform a rhythm, and do it just fine alone, but in the context of a real ensemble, the person can't do it and my response to that is i think that's a reaction her mind is sensitive to the change in environment mm-hmm. and she feels guilty and ashamed instead of doing the antidote which is to just say hmm let me feel this new environment here no oh, that sounds different or and kind of embracing it and yeah. what i say is learning your domain so we don't need to be afraid of of anything so in an eagle vision situation imagine that you're an eagle flying on the backs of a bunch of bolting deer that are they're just running this way and that and you're an eagle on their very close to their back if you're that close to their back you're not going to see anything or perceive anything you're just going to be confused yeah on the other hand what the eagle will do is if it pushes off its wings pushes down and then goes soars up into the sky the result will be that now you can look down now you can see the whole herd And you can kind of see where it was and where it's going and keep track of all of the various deer. So I think literally what's happening is we're going to a higher center in our brain, probably. We're not any longer in the limbic system where we cannot think and we cannot act Mm. and we cannot think, certainly. Yes. But instead, we're in an elevated state whereby we can easily see what all the elements are Mm. and we can breathe more easily our hormones are more balanced where everything is easier from that perspective so it's a choice of backing up and seeing ah I know my domain there are 12 pitches in an octave and there are 11 di chords (laughs) (laughs) and the rhythms are always able to be counted in twos and threes so yes it's not that complicated it's not that frightening it's a tiny little spider in the corner
1: (laughs) yeah and not nothing to be afraid of I love that no musical emergencies then no exactly no (laughs) no Okay. And then the second one is anticipation. Exactly
0: right. So anticipation is quite common, too. It's quite different. So in this case, we might imagine that the eagle is focusing on the deer, let us say the musician is focusing on the notes. But all of a sudden, it's as if this invisible hand comes on the head of the eagle. And suddenly, that hand sort of turns the eagle's head. And it's sort of like, oh, look at the nice clouds, or look at the sky, oh, boy, oh, that reminds me. I didn't bring my umbrella, and it's looking kind of cloudy over there. And, of course, meanwhile, the deer are down there doing whatever, and, uh-huh. and uh, the musician, if you will, the eagle, is unable to even pay attention to it. So, of course, what has to happen is the hand of that of that coach, as I would call it. Uh, it has to get off of the, there. And frankly, what we need to do is just to return to sensing. So what an anticipation is, or the cause of it is, I believe that we disconnect from our senses.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we go into independent thinking, inner talking, or inner imaginings, or daydreaming, as it's often called, or there is a disconnect. I believe that there are two forms. A ble- I'm sorry, benevolent. I must combine the two: benevolent <laughs> and malevolent form. And essentially, in a benevolent form, it's sort of that daydreaming. Ah, la la. You know, this reminds me of that. And isn't yeah. this lovely? And then the malevolent form is much more, almost paranoid. So mm-hmm. now it's like, okay, I bet she's going to play that. Instead of just seeing what's happening, it starts to predict or, you know, gamble. Instead of just look at what's there and just sense what those notes are, sense what those rhythms are, and be present with them. So the cure for that will be that you always let the modality that should be dominant, and I'll explain that, uh, lead and let the other modality back off. Okay, so if you're listening to music and you want to know what you're hearing, you've got to let your ear lead. But what can happen is the eyes will start thinking of something else or daydreaming about something else, and you're talking about something else in your head. And instead, you need to let your ears tell you what's going on. Just truly yeah. listen, shutting off the other modality, letting it fall behind. Mm. When you're reading, you've really got to shut off your, your talking again. So when you're reading music, your eyes should be leading. Your eyes should be telling you what those notes are so that you can accurately play them or do them. If it's the right chord and uh, you're doing your Nashville numbers, you got to make sure your eyes are seeing what those things are. And so it's allowing the modality that needs to lead lead, and letting the other ones just relax. So I think that often in, in music, like I used to do this, I would try to, when I would be sight reading, I would be anticipating what might be going on or I could play an entire movement of a Beethoven sonata and could not even tell you what happened, yeah, because I was thinking of something else completely. Mm-hmm. So that was a disconnect in the brain from the actual sensation of feeling myself playing, of sensing what I was playing in my ears, of being able to imagine or see the score in my eyes. Instead, it was this sort of automatic pilot and a disconnect. So. Again, the cure really will be just let's get connected to our senses and uh, things will often fall right into balance. Mm. By the way, often people who are highly creative have a lot of anticipation because they're wanting it to go this way. But that's not what the notes are saying for you to do.
1: Yeah. And what's interesting about what you're saying, I mean, besides everything, um, is that some of these phrases are things that you're kind of taught in band. Mm -hmm. Like you're taught to anticipate everything. You're Mm -hmm. taught to like, especially when you're sight reading, like look at your key signature and it just gets all like scary from like a very young age. It's like, I'm playing twinkle, twinkle. What am I anticipating? (laughs) Like relax. (laughs) Um, But I mean, it it makes sense in the way that we're teaching here in, in the States. So How can we, and I know we'll get into this in other episodes, but do you have any advice for like how to start to retrain these things that have been engraved from the very beginning? Yes. I
0: love creating these exercises that require us to be able to perform without error Mm. over an extended period of time. And that ultimately, from doing that, we get so that we can observe our own natural tendencies. So, for example, when the band director says, I want you to anticipate what's going to happen, I think to a certain extent that's wise because it's saying you should not be surprised by anything. You should be able, but that's eagle vision, that's not paranoiac anticipation. All right. That is just simply back yourself up so you can see more. And I wish they'd say that. Mm-hmm. I wish they wouldn't say anticipate because that's actually doing just the wrong thing. In my opinion, it's doing the second cause of error. So I think that often the words can be very misleading. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, being able to study from doing these sort of basic exercises that I do, like it's almost like yoga or you know breathing exercises and yoga, that you get so that you can See how your mind is behaving and get so that you can gently and lovingly apply the antidote. Okay, I feel like I'm daydreaming and instantly get back into your sensation. You know, instantly let your eyes. What are those notes that your eyes are seeing? What are the patterns? Aren't they beautiful? They're going up and down, and there's spaces between notes of a longer value and shorter spaces between things of smaller value. And notice the flow of it. And even when there are a lot, 15 rests measures of rest that you have to do, you can be just in the moment counting and being present with that, and the difficulties will disappear. Mm. But it takes watching. That's being so aware, good. you know?
1: Um, okay. And then. Before we wrap up, what is the third one? The third one is quite common also, especially for us musicians, and it
0: is what I call looking back, all right? So uh, I also like to call this coach in, and that is because of the fact that what's happening different than anticipation, now what's occurring is that the brain is in a judging state of, of things you're acting and you're really trying to pay attention but you're simultaneously judging what's going on Mm. so the metaphor I like to use is to imagine that you have this fabulous perfect Olympic swimmer who just does everything that you ask that person to do but then you have this coach and this coach has a nasty habit of just saying okay I want you to swim now and okay the athlete says all right I swim so then the swimmer starts to swim in a freestyle And then what happens is the coach starts yelling and the swimmer can't hear because he's swimming. And then the coach jumps into the water and starts pulling (laughs) on the athlete. And now the athlete really is drowning or (laughs) it's just not good. Uh, They're not able to do what they're supposed to do. So this is something that many of us have. I, I remember... Uh, as a master's degree student playing in a recital under a great deal of pressure. (laughs) I'd just gotten into a car accident on an icy road, actually an icy bridge, crossing the Huron River in Ann Arbor on my way to accompany a saxophone recital. Oh, no. uh, Oh, you know. Yeah, that kind of literature. And uh, honestly, I was driven to the concert venue at the School of Music by a police officer. (laughs) And then I had to go in to the recital. Well, the inner talking was so loud, I really couldn't hear what I was playing. I could not hear any of the crashing around that I was doing, and it was a lot, because it was a lot of modern you know, pieces from the 20th century. So, And the saxophones was sublime, and it was, it was hell in my head. It was like, oh my God, you idiot. You, know, you fool, yeah. you got into a car, your parents are going to want to kill you. you know, and I can't believe yeah. I'm playing this. This is a nightmare. And I, but I and I got, shh. Be quiet, be quiet, stop it. You know, I was like, no. I got done with the recital and people afterwards said that that was amazing. It did great. And of course, to me, it sounded like living hell. Yeah. And so I just said, no, oh, it's terrible. It was terrible. Of course, they're not hearing what's going on in my head. Yeah. So the coach was in that entire time. I managed to survive because of that same skill that allowed me to have anticipation, which is to flake out and be in a completely different place. Mm. So the antidote is quite simple. The antidote is what I call coach out. And that is that when you start to sense that you're judging in any way or literally looking back, feeling like you're being pulled backward magnetically as you're trying to go forward, or you might feel that literally your eyes are looking to the left or backward or something, What you have to do is get rid of the coach and I simply say coach out and I'll imagine that coach in my own mind's eye. I I imagine the coach is getting sucked out of the swimming pool and up into that crow's nest and just stuck there and that's where it stays. All right so ultimately it's my feeling that the coach must get out before the performance begins and to me it has to say before it begins anything I am out. And it's up to you now, and I trust you. And if anything goes wrong, it's my fault because I didn't prepare you correctly. I didn't tell you what the strokes were you were going to do when you swam. Mm -hmm. I didn't do what needed to happen before. And what's wonderful about that is the more we kind of beat up on our inner coach, which I deal with a lot in my teaching, is how to train that. The more you kind of beat up on that coach, Mm -hmm. the less and less emotional you are all the negativity goes away. It's as if when you yell at the coach and say, okay, now, so what exactly went wrong and how can you fix it? And then it's like, Oh,
1: well, <laughs> yeah, it just changes it completely. I love you know. that. It's not personal. And it's not, it's not. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. yeah I, I really liked the, the swimming analogy because mm-hmm. that would be insane it to watch do. an Olympic coach in the pool with the swimmer.
0: Correct. And yet isn't that what we often do when oh we're gosh, having yes. troubles when we're playing? You can't hear anything. It's like right. what I say is cocktail party in the head syndrome. I mean you can't can't hear anything. Oh so my gosh. Well is...
1: speaking of like terrible saxophone literature, um mm-hmm. my senior recital, what you're just describing was literally that. I finished the piece after my accompanist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> well, you finished it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess the coach and I did. And it was not good. <laughs> oh gosh. Just, oh. oh my gosh. Wow. That is yeah. so amazing though. So Um, To recap Mm -hmm. and tell us again, three causes of error and then the antidotes. Yes.
0: So reaction is the most common kind of error because we're always encountering something new and that's wonderful. But you can expect reaction to happen, but it should be a way of teaching us of what we need to learn and absorb. So that ultimately the antidote is to, when you encounter something new, not to have any limbic response or fear response because it's putting you in the wrong part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Instead, you want to be just sensing again, raising yourself up like an eagle so that you can more easily see what's happening. That's what i you know, eagle vision or... Are- Kind of Dalai Lama vision, sure. Yeah. I hope that you you go up. The other one, anticipation. You know it because of the fact that you might think everything is going great, and it actually probably isn't. Um, but you're detached from what's actually going on. So the antidote is to go into your senses to sense when you're reading. You're with your eyes are sensing. You know, really tune into your eyes. If you are listening to music, really tune into. Your ear, and as I'll, I would talk about and will it in future podcast, is the importance of feeling the sensation, the kinesthetic sensation that actually I believe binds the visual and kinest- and I'm sorry, auditory modality. So the mm-hmm. kinesthetic, the feeling is what will bring those two things together. So uh, finally looking back, looking back is very different because you're going to feel like the brakes are on or co- <laughs> being applied or you're just gonna have a lot of screaming in your head, or you're gonna be feeling like you're looking backwards, what you need to do is get the coach out. Okay, just, and I really do think, (laughs) I don't know how many of you folks out there are Austin Powers fans, but uh, (laughs) I do like Dr. Eagles, uh, Evils rather, Eagles, Evils, quite different. Uh, Zip it, just zip it. And uh, that, it actually works, that gesture just, and it will create a kind of a silence as you mentioned karen what's really great is that we need to practice these things and i think performances are too rare and that's not a good place to practice yes. but if you can practice this kind of thing with certain exercises of increasing challenges and you just get to know yourself. It becomes more and more easy to just keep going and to understand what's happening. Uh, instantly apply the antidote and then go
1: forward. It's wonderful. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. Um, so for those of you listening, um, feel free to follow Marianne on Instagram at Marianne Ploger. Check out her website, um, theplogermethod.com. And um, if you think of it, if you could leave us a review on Apple, that totally helps the podcast get higher on the charts not for anything other than more people finding us so thanks for tuning in um, and I hope you'll share the episode